is very important. Welcome to Red State Talk Radio. You're listening to Tori Says for the next hour. I'll be your host, Tori. We'll be discussing news, foreign and domestic, unfiltered news. Real news. Welcome, everyone, to the Tory Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. Today is June 17th, 2019, and boy, this weekend was so busy. So busy overseas, and no one is paying attention. It seems that we have a lot going on outside our borders that pertain to us, and lots of distractions within our borders to misguide us, on where we need to focus attention, which is our southern border and what's going on, and everything in between in regards to foreign policy. There is a lot happening, and um, obviously the mainstream media is not talking about it. Now, before we begin kind of analyzing what has happened over the weekend, secret meetings that are being held in Europe, uh, what conversations are happening with Turkey, Iran, Japan, uh, and um, Syria, and Iran, all of that, I wanted to just kind of talk about what President Trump has um, said uh, you know, he tweeted out uh, things about the polls. And, you know, I personally hate the fact that he's talking about it, but I guess it's more fuel to it because the polls, as we know, are not honest. We saw that during the 2016 elections where they were showing Hillary ahead at some astronomical 13, 15 percent. Nobody really cares okay the thing that we need to uh look at are is what's going on in foreign policy and i think the president is playing into this because we have a really big problem with iran if you go back to listen to my breakdown of what this nuclear deal was it's about stockpiling what enriched uranium and this is where it gets a little bit tricky because we've seen this movie before Mm-hmm. We've seen it with Bush when they believed that they had yellow cake uranium coming out of Niger, going to Iraq, and, uh, you know, there were no regulations on how much and where it's going and where it's being sold. So we have the European Union playing the let's not go to war card. Oh, my gosh, Trump is a warmonger. 
and a lot of inflammation going on there. So what President Trump is doing, and wisely so, is saying, I really don't like what the polls are saying. They're all rubbish, which they are, and that's good because we need the mainstream media to focus on rubbish like the insane Democrats, the polls, because we all know they're fake. And in honor of that, you know, we all have, well, I have uh, grown up with uh, grunge music. And I think it's very appropriate to, p- to play this song for the Democrats, guys. Motley Crue, White Trash Circus. Let's take a listen. Oh, 
awesome. And that could have been Hillary's cackle, actually, to be honest with you. Uh, yep. White trash circus stealing not your girl, but the polls. Stealing not your girl, but elections. Stealing uh, not anything else except for our nation's integrity, security, national security, money, you name it. That's the Democrats. Uh, so it was pretty interesting for him to put in that simile. I simply enjoyed uh, listening to it and, um, you know, uh, basically the commentary coming around from it. You know, Motley Crue would never know that they'd be trending in regards to politics. So that's pretty incredible. Um, so we have the uh, local, I say localized chit chat of people going a little bit insane uh, in regards to our domestic policies, and they're all surrounded by, oh, polls, schmoles, uh, you know, uh, legalizing illegal immigrants so they can vote, handing out identifications. These are all ways to fix the polls. Uh, this is what they're really trying to do. We all know this. They will fail because we have implemented measures for the past two years to get this sorted out. Hopefully, we can bring that to fruition. Hopefully it'll be a lot more solid because the Democrats are really pulling any card they have. They are trying hard to uh, win 2020, which they won't because they really don't have a candidate. I mean, who's going to vote for creepy Joe Biden? Seriously, guys. Like just his videos going viral of touching children and sniffing hair. It's just creepy. And one thing you have to remember is if he does all that in front of cameras, imagine what he does behind them. Also, his implication in this whole, you know, Russia collusion, you know, story, that's pretty insane, too. You know, he's in it. He was the vice president. Things like this don't happen without your say. Things like this don't occur without your knowledge as vice president. I mean, if anyone believes that, they'll just believe anything. Are we going to say Kamala Harris is a serious candidate? She compared ICE to the KKK. This is pure insanity. ICE protects the most vulnerable. There's a whole episode I did about ICE and what their job is. It's not about just enforcing, uh, you know, they're not just for immigration and custom enforcement. But they look after, they investigate child and human trafficking they are the ones that are spearheading this. They're the ones that did it back in the day when over 5,000 names from the Pentagon were provided to have been involved in gross sexual imposition of a child, in possession of child pornography. I mean, come on. These guys are, you know, the real deal. They're one of the most important agencies we have that are very, um, I would say, underrated because <laughs> not a lot of people talk about the achievements that they do. They only talk about the fact that, oh, you're separating children at the border. I mean, that is what Kamala Harris is pushing, right? This is it. Four-month-old baby. Well, what if that four-month-old baby had no relation with the man traveling with it? That four-month-old baby had two things going for it. One, it was destined to come within the border and be sold into child trafficking, right? Because it was kidnapped. Or two, it was bought from someone to be then sold, uh, you know, in the United States for slavery, child sex, who knows, organs. This is why we separate children. Temporarily, 
We check their DNA. We check what's going on. And then we put them together. I mean, children are very vulnerable. They won't even tell someone. Someone is hurting me, especially if the perpetrator is in front of them. And especially if that perpetrator has told them that they will massacre their whole family or do really nasty things to people they love. This is how they gain control over these children. Some of them are even groomed into it. I mean, it's pretty ridiculous that we have Kamala Harris like this. And you know what? This is where people need to start speaking up and calling her out. Hey, hold on a second. So you just say because they walk in with children, even though they admit that they just get children so that they can make it easier across the border. There was a whole, you know, spiel on that. You're saying that we shouldn't separate them. We shouldn't interview the children to see if they've been abused because let it be known just because you share the same DNA doesn't mean that you're not abusing a child, right? We've seen it. How many times have we seen it? Tons where parents pimp out their own kids, where they rent them out to people for rape or other sick fantasies to be done on children for drugs in exchange for money or drugs. I mean, it's sick. And we have to make sure that if these children are coming through our borders illegally, that we should be able to determine if they're safe. Have they been kidnapped? If so, let's find your real parents. Have they been purchased off your parents? If so, let's help you find a forever family within the United States. Because every child deserves what? Love. Deserves a family, right? This is how we operate. I don't know where Kamala Harris is coming off on her rhetoric. So then we go to fake a this. I mean, she, she lost as soon as she announced. So she's done. Cory Brooker done. Swallowell done. De Blasio couldn't even get one, you know, vote out of 600 people in Iowa. Pete, all he has is I'm gay. Every other sentence. Nobody cares. Like I said, the only one that would like Bernie, the, we already talked about this. He thinks we'll all be very happy paying more taxes. This guy's insane. But then we have Andrew Yang, who is coming up, and that's the only one that is actually a candidate that can sway. And like I said before, all of these clowns are just fattening up the DNC because they're broke. The DNC has actually spent more money than they have received. And this election is going to be insane because we've got all the House seats up, right? 435 of them, man. And so now... There's more campaigning being done. And the Democrats are really going to go at it. They really want the House again. They want to take Senate because there's 34 seats up there. They are going to be pouring money in. So what we need to pay attention to is where is this money coming from? Is it uh, money that we send to Iran that gets laundered and then comes back? Is it through ex-Fuji singers? <laughs> right. this, this is what we are looking at. We will be paying attention to every single penny that comes within the United States destined for what? Campaign funds. And this is where we need to be paying attention now because this is how you get them. You know, because think about it. The Democratic base, aside from huge corporations like Google and Amazon, who is having big problems right now, uh, you know, because here's the weird thing. CrowdStrike that invented this whole DNC hack, right? They, they invented it, actually run most of the software for Amazon. 
super creepy, isn't it? You have the company that works with the FBI running all the federal, you know, algorithms and fine tuning them for Amazon to store FBI, CIA, Senate and everything documents. Um, if they manufactured uh, to make a server hack, right? Hack, they're saying not imaging, which it was hack Russian. How do you think safety in documentation is? Do you not believe that they have backdoor windows to access information? See, this is what our president should be focusing on right now. Who is getting information? Who is leaking? And the only way you're going to find it is by following the company that actually writes the code for Amazon and storage of documents. I mean, you have sealed indictments. What if they're using CrowdStrike to go in through a back door and get them on a soft copy off a server where it's supposed to be secure, redacted, etc.? This is stuff we need to be paying attention to domestically. Aside from the fact that we have a huge problem on the border, we've got airlines flying in immigrants, illegal immigrants from Mexico arriving into Florida. So I want to know how these uh, airplanes are coming in with illegal migrants that most of them are male, able-bodied males, right, of military age. Tell me, why are we flying them in from Mexico? So those are the two domestic issues we really need to pay attention to. Is our information secure working with Amazon that works with CrowdStrike that writes all its code? And what, who is funding all these airplanes flying all these illegal migrants into California? And by the way, remember how California was it? Was it Los Angeles's Orange County's mayor that said they don't have enough money? They're broke. They don't have they have too many homeless people. Right. Wasn't it? But yet they just announced that they're going to give free health care to all illegal migrants. Like, how are they going to afford it? You mean me? The federal taxpayer is going to pay it? Uh, I think not. I think not. Let them figure it out. That's something that we need to put our foot down. Uh, that's That for me is of great importance, actually. Uh, they, we should not, absolutely not, be paying for illegal migrants to have health care. It is unacceptable. Unacceptable, like, with, like, a huge U, it's, like, super unacceptable. So... Like I said uh, earlier, uh, we have a lot going on in regards to what's happening outside the United States in regards to policies. We have so much going on. I mean, in Italy, uh, it's it's a hot mess. We've got pri former prime ministers of Italy meeting with Barack Hussein Obama in uh, the south of France. Actually, maybe on a boat in the Med today, uh, from what I hear. Uh, and I'll break that down for you in a little bit. Um, so with Iran, we've got a lot of developments. Uh, with the Japan meeting coming up, lots of developments. Uh, we have a lot going on with Turkey. Uh, it's just it's just really crazy, you guys. So much happened over the weekend, and yet none of it was being reported. Everyone just focused on this stupid... Um, interview with Papadopoulos, uh, Papadopoulos, with Stephanopoulos. My gosh, why did I say Papadopoulos? Because I have George Papadopoulos on my mind because he's the only one on Twitter that said, why is Obama meeting with Italian, you know, foreign prime ministers? And, uh, you know, he's right. 
why is he doing that? And that's why I have it on my mind. I was talking about George Stephanopoulos and how he interviewed the president and how there were really, really funny moments during that uh, interview uh, that I loved. Uh, you know, there it was just hysterical because he was very honest and um, a very blunt and very realistic. I mean, no matter how deranged you are, no matter how deranged you are, you can see that what he's saying makes absolute sense. Absolute sense. Uh, so I want to play a little clip uh, where, <laughs> where President Trump uh, told uh, Mulvaney to leave the room because he was coughing. Uh, that was actually very interesting. I loved it uh, because this goes to show that President Trump has a very good mm, command of what he likes, what he likes to have um, in regards to his uh, persona being projected. And that's what's awesome, you know, because in his mind, he knows exactly how to hold meetings, have conversations and project exactly what he wants. He can, he will orchestrate it to the very detail. If you see him posing for a picture and he's left a magazine on his desk, it's because he wants you to look at it. If he allows birds in the background to sing, it's because he wants it to. If he has a, a half eaten candy bar on his desk or a diet Coke just to troll you, or maybe two scoops of ice cream or a baby crying in the background or someone coughing in the background, he'll have it there. But when he wants to be clear, uh, and he, let's just put it this way. He commands the stage when he's talking, he wants people to take not only the message, but the whole vision of it and, you know, immerse themselves in the conversation and understand. So this was the most outstanding depiction of such. Take a listen. When you will see my financial statement at some point, I assume it's going to be released. You'll be very impressed with the job I've done. Much, much bigger, much, much Which better than statement? anybody. Uh, they're after my financial statement. The Senate, they'd like to get my financial statement. At some point, I hope they get it. You're going to turn it over? No, at some point, I might. But at some point, I hope they get it because it's, <laughs> it's a fantastic financial statement. It's a fantastic financial statement. And uh, let's do that over. He's coughing in the middle of my answer. Yeah. Okay. I don't like that. You know. When like your chief of staff. If you're gonna cough, please yeah, leave the room. Get a shot of, and I'll, yeah. I'll come over here. Just, just can't. Shoot. You just can't. Just to change the shot. Okay. Sorry. Okay. Do you want to do that a little differently then? Yeah. Or? We just changed the angle. Okay. Yep. Thank you. So at some point, so at some point, I look forward to. Frankly, I want. I'd like to have people see my financial statement. Because it's, it's phenomenal. No, it's not up to me. It's up to lawyers. It's up to everything else. But they're asking for things that they should never be asking for, that they've never asked another president for. They want to go through every deal that I've ever done. They've, what they're doing is a disgrace. They're trying to do step, step, step. They want to keep it going as long as possible to try and demean and hurt as much as possible so they can possibly win the presidential election. Okay, so... If you watch the video, you'll see that the cough actually threw him off his, 
cadence, right? What he was saying, his train of thought. And he didn't want it to be disrupted like this because it doesn't seem like a one-to-one interview. It seems like a group interview. I totally get why he did it. And I loved it. He was genuine. He was a hundred percent. Uh, you know, it was kind of like, did you guys remember, and I'm, and I've been looking for this, uh, that press conference that Barack Hussein Obama had, and there were people there and there was a crying baby and he said, somebody quiet it down. I mean, it was a baby and I get it. He wanted, even though I don't like him, he wanted his message to be delivered wholesome. Obviously that was being streamed live. So it didn't really look good on him, but I get it. How many of us have been in the situation? I've been in the situation before where I'm, you know, presenting and there's someone that's dying of a cough in the back and you just can't help but be distracted. And you're just like, I'm going to forget where I was. Hey, do you mind? I'm like presenting here and I'm not trying to be funny. I'm getting that you're choking, but you need to like leave because I have to have my words careful because I'm being scrutinized by my peers. Same thing goes here for Trump. So I loved watching him be so real, but watching him also be so aware of how, um, you know, that takes into optics. Also, the fact that they aired that just goes to show that they were just looking for anything to just villainize him. Um, on that note, I wanted to say that George Stephanopoulos, you know, the majority of the Greek American community within the United States have completely disowned this man, uh, especially with his campaign against the Archbishop of the Greek Church in New York, Demetrius, after Archbishop Demetrius on the 25th of March congratulated President Trump and said that he was doing a great job. Uh, the minute he said that, he was fired, basically, from his role of representing the Greek Orthodox Church within the United States. And also, all people that were working on the project to rebuild St. Nicholas that was taken down with the World Trade Center were also resigned Right. So this is a really big deal. George Stephanopoulos for me is one of the biggest snakes. I despise him. And I'm glad that the majority of the Greek American community feel the same way because I, as a child of Greek immigrants, one thing that we Greeks have is something called philodimo and that's spelled P-H-I-L-O-T-I-M-O. There's actually no definition for that. It just means that you have integrity and morals. And that's something that George Stephanopoulos lacks. No matter what his name is, uh, you know, he can't call himself Greek because Greeks can't omit philotimo. That's basically how how it's pronounced. So... The interview was great. I think our president did great. George Stephanopoulos really, really tried. He said other presidents have been very transparent. That is false. Obama was not transparent at all. Actually, he was obfuscating everywhere and using lawyers everywhere. And like President Trump said, I have no problem providing it, but his lawyers are looking out for him and that's their job. So he has to follow their lead. Anyone that has lawyers working on their behalf knows that that's what you have to do. Okay. So on that note, I'll see you guys just after this short break and we'll continue and we'll start on the foreign policy changes over the weekend. Hello, my fellow patriots. My name is Michael Flynn Jr. And I am the proud son of General Flynn. Your support of the last two years has been incredible and will never be forgotten. If you'd like to continue supporting General Flynn, you can donate to our legal defense fund. Any donation is welcome. To donate, go to www.mikeflynndefensefund.org. Thank you and God bless America. 
How did you become addicted? A friend? Were you at a party and someone said, Hey, try this. Then you got the cold sweats and started shaking. And the more you did it, the more it didn't work. So you switched to the needle. Now you're a train wreck. Drinking, drugging, broke. Your family hates you. And you hate you. Get out of your hell on earth now. Call the Detox and Treatment Helpline today for immediate help. In many cases, your insurance may cover the costs. We can't guarantee it, but we can guarantee we have what you need to change your life for the better. Pick up your cell phone and call right now. 855-700-2978-855-700-2978-855-700-2978. That's 855-700-2978. Guaranteed life insurance with no medical exam. Sounds great, right? Even better, your rates will never increase and benefits will never decrease. If you're a U.S. citizen between 50 and 80, you can get life insurance guaranteed. It's not guaranteed in every state, and you may not qualify for every policy, but when you call, you'll speak with a licensed insurance company. They'll give you all the details about guaranteed life insurance. So call now, 1-800-707-1219, 1-800-707-1219. Hey, this is Leonora Cravota from Red State Talk Radio for My Pillow. I used to have trouble sleeping. My Pillow changed all that. I now fall asleep within moments of my head touching my pillow. That's how comfortable My Pillow is with its patented interlocking fill. My Pillow stays cool and does not go flat. Plus, it's machine washable and dryable. MyPillow has a 10-year warranty and a 60-day comfort guarantee. MyPillow is also the official pillow of the National Sleep Foundation, and it's made right here in the USA. MyPillow is now offering Red State Talk Radio listeners a four-pack special with two premium standard or queen pillows and two go-anywhere pillows. That's four pillows for the price of one. To take advantage of this special offer, call 1-800-961-9194 and ask for promo code REDSTATE. That's one 800 961-9194 promo code red state put sleepless nights behind you with my pillow the most comfortable pillow you will ever own for the best night's sleep in the whole wide world visit mypillow.com Welcome back, everyone, to the Tory Says Show. So let's start with some really, really weird stuff, okay? So Obama. The Obamas arrived in Avignon, France, which is a a city uh, that is in the southeast of France. It is literally on the Rhone River. And uh, a lot is going on there. And uh, there's a lot of stuff that people don't know about that city that um, I'd like to break down uh, during this um, uh, this half hour. So you guys just understand just how odd it is. So on Friday, June 14th, Barack Hussein Obama, his wife and his two children arrived to Avignon, France. Uh, They arrived at the airport and I can tell you that there are, there were growing concerns uh, for the citizens of the city, uh, specifically for the County of Garde, uh, which is, you know, where Avignon city is uh, with the Obama uh, family arriving for a week long vacation. 
and I say vacation uh, loosely. It was said that um, it is being reported that former uh, President Barack Hussein Obama and his own has his own private and secret service detail that will protect his family throughout their tours or endeavors within the city or surrounding areas or through the County of Guard. Um, uh, but the County of Guard has also set up their own security protocols and measures for the area. Now, like I said, they arrived on Friday uh, afternoon on June 14th, um, according to local press and authorities. Now, here's where it gets a little bit fishy. It was also stated that former Prime Minister of Italy, Paolo Gentiloni, was spotted on the outskirts of the city when rumors um, when rumors were going that the Obamas were staying at the former Formula One uh, driver, Jean uh, Allegi's villa. He's a Sicilian dude. Um, and then it was rumored that Gentiloni was actually staying there on Sunday, June 16th. So on Sunday, people in the city were saying that the Obamas were staying at... Um, uh, Jean Allegis, you know, the Formula F1 racers uh, villa, b- you know, by the mountains region. And that was false because it turned out that the former prime minister of Italy, Gentiloni, was staying there as of Sunday, uh, the 16th of 2019. But here's the weirder part. It was also reported that on Saturday in the morning of June 15th, right? That the Italy's former prime minister Renzi arrived to Avignon airport. He had little to no security. He was just like with another two people and he was heading for Villeneuve Avignon where the Obamas are actually staying. The exact address um, is being kept out of the press um, for security reasons, but the Midi Libre actually said the Obamas will spend the week on the island of Barcela surrounded by the river. They will stay at Madepois, an 18th century um, mansion belonging to an American family. Uh, if you were to rent uh, that mansion or villa, uh, the total rent price for one week, according to the rental site is 55,000 euros a week. Now, um, for me, it would be very interesting to determine the owner in the villa um, staying there. So I got in touch with a couple of people that live in Avignon on, sa- on, on Saturday and Sunday. And something interesting happened on, you know, Skype chat with one of them. So uh, they, they sent me this message. Uh, the island they're staying on uh, is owned by very rich and prominent persons in uh, the financial and political, the global financial and political circles. Soros's, Rothschilds, and even royals have homes or visit there when they want privacy. Our city is very good at ensuring paparazzi and locals stay clear. Many have been arrested and never been heard of again when they go prying for a picture. A few years ago, it was rumored that U.S. Secretary of State John Kerry and a bunch of Arabs were meeting, many of which came by boat and took a helicopter from Nice. It was said that they were Iranian, but the city ensures their privacy. Our concern as citizen is who's paying for all this since the city usually keeps security budgets and those payments they may be getting under wraps and we're not entitled to it. 
pretty weird, right? But what I wanted to let you guys know is that the cities that flank uh, the River Rong are well known to be getaways. So it's very well known among the wealthy. The Avignon is a great place to arrive and then disappear. They arrive, go to villas that flank the river or, or that are on the river Rhone, and then they hop onto boats and they're able without detection to travel to the Mediterranean um, and to be able to lose the paparazzi, of course. Uh, actually, the legendary Onassis was the inventor, let's say, of this escape route when he traveled with Jackie O and wanted privacy. So, um, you know, in... in in Marseille, uh, which is like where the river, you know, f- flows into the Mediterranean, right? Right there in Marseille, the ports that actually flank or, you know, the docks, I guess, that flank the river um, and mouth, you know, into the Med uh, are a hotbed for paparazzis. They are always trying to snap pictures of boats and then try to find like who owns it, who chartered it and everything just to catch a glimpse of maybe illicit affairs or meetings because it is very very well known that most politicians or like really high profile affairs between royals and you know big people happen when they get to leave uh, the waters of the Rome into the Med and thus travel further so the question here to to just the ether is, why is Barack Hussein Obama holding secret meetings with Italian officials on the heels of the declassification? Because a couple weeks ago, I wrote up, I did a write-up in regards to Italy firing the heads of their intelligence community. It was George Papadopoulos that came out and told the world that Misfood was being housed in Italy, that he was being protected by Italy. And we all know that Italy played a role in this whole FISA warrant, asset activation, and dossier BS, right? This whole Russia hoax, they were activated as part of the Nine Eyes group, right? We have five, nine, and 14, just to make it clear. It's actually plus 115. But, you know, going is 14. So they're part of the Nine Eyes group. So the question is, why is Barack Hussein Obama suddenly meeting with all these? And why is he in a place where he can disappear and split? Especially in a city that ensures privacy because they get paid to, you know, seal off places, you know, within the city. I mean... The citizens were coming back to me with almost the same feedback. Like their concern is they're not using our tax dollars. So where are they getting this from? And this is why the people that run our city, uh, you know, are usually rich because they line their pockets, which is corruption, blah, 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 blah. We know the deal. We have all that going on in our, in our country as well. So that's the thing. Why is he meeting with all these foreign officials? What's going on? So this is... Key number one, why are, why is Obama having, and you know, if he's meeting with the Italians, he could be meeting with the Germans, he could be meeting with other, with the French, of course. But what's curious is, is that that is where, um, you know, they say, and this, this one message was duplicate over many sources of people in Avignon. They were telling me that John Kerry was there with Iranians just maybe three or four years ago. And this is where they hang out. And, you know, they 
get together. They either come in through Chopper from Nice or they, you know, come down the river or they fly into the airport. Like that is the most accessible place to get in somewhere incognito. So this is a big deal that Obama goes to that specific area. And, you know, hey, Internet, if anyone is familiar with the area, let's find out which American family is renting out to the Obamas. Uh, that'll be interesting uh, to find out. So that's that on Barack Hussein Obama and his like covert kind of discussions. I mean, he's been traveling around Europe having all these meetings. You know, his wife happened to be, you know, on the river si- sipping wine when Notre Dame was burning in flames. You know, he went to Berlin and started talking about how socialism is not so bad. I mean, we just need to rethink socialism. That's something that, you know, we need to understand. They are acting against a sitting president right now. They are perpetuating such notions. They are acting in such. And you know what I want to know? Are we paying for the Secret Service detail that's down there right now? And if so, do we have eyes on that secret service detail? Are they loyal to Obama or are they loyal to the United States of America if they're being paid by American federal tax dollars? That's a question I'd like to ask. And I think what I'm going to do is maybe put in a FOIA request today after the show and ask, hey, can I find out how much this trip to Avignon, France cost us? And does Secret Service, you know, report as to where he's going and who he's meeting with? I mean, Uh, you know, how is this being worked out? I'd like to know. I'd really, really like to know where we're going with all this. So that's that on the Obamas. Okay. Uh, which was very interesting for me to see. Uh, let's see, where do we go? Shall we go Turkey first or should we go Iran first? I think Turkey is best. So there is a lot of, lot of chit chat in regards to Turkey. In the sense of there is some real tension going on. Uh, there is uh, a, there is a lot of talk, actually, of uh, communication breakdowns with Turkey. And this would be key for Greek-Turkish relations, okay, um, and Cyprus. Remember, I've told you that Cyprus is a country that was actually invaded by Turkey in the 70s, uh, and they still occupy half of the island, right? And they haven't been removed for whatever reason. But everybody lost their land and, uh, you know, their lives in that um in that happening. So why is uh, this important? Okay. Uh, There is high, I would say um, there's Greece is on high alert because they're on really, really um, weird ground with Turkey. Okay. There is, um, I would say marginal turmoil between them. It's kind of like hot. Okay. It's a hot topic. Um, Turkey, and their um, continued activity in the occupied Cyprus area is also growing concern as they're being more active there. And also, uh, you know, accompanied, you know, we have to couple this with the simultaneous investigations of the area of Castellorizo um, and their maritime investigations, where unfortunately, um, this, you know, the capital of Greece has to actually respond with um, 
an inevitable or I would say likely um, conflict with Turkey uh, because in the uh, I would say in the waters of the area of Casalorzo and Turkey the Navy is really coming head-to-head with Turkey they're getting very very aggressive and you know This is really weird because the tension has been rising for the past three weeks, which would coincide with the timing of Greece receiving from us, the United States, the 70 choppers, the extra weapons and the accessories uh, for such. Um, But, you know, they're pretty much controlled. Like the tension is controlled, like it hasn't, you know, gotten out of control, but it's persistently there. And it's Turkey that is instigating these um, kind of threats and Uh, pushes, uh, trying to push on comprehensive, bogus uh, regulations like gray belts. You know, they need six miles of water that they're battling over water boundaries with Greece because within those six miles, there's a lot of uranium and it actually is owned by Greece, but Turkey wants it. So they've been fighting over that for forever. But here's the thing. All of this comes to a standstill at the end of June, because as we know, the United States and Erdogan, right, President Trump and Erdogan are not seeing eye to eye right now with this S-400 stuff. And um, next week, going into Japan uh, for the G20 summit, they're supposed to have some sidebar and talk. So... This is fundamental for U.S.-NATO relations, but also U.S.-NATO relations with Turkey. Because Turkey's um, behavior, it depends on Turkey's behavior, of course, on how we as a nation will respond. And just so we know, and until this meeting happens, the actual turmoil that we see in the waters, well, Greek, Turkish, and Syrian, okay, waters... Um, to go down is not likely. It's actually escalating. So, um, you know, this is something that could be exploited by Erdogan during his talks with President Trump. So uh, it's it's actually extremely, um, the situation is actually quite bad uh, to be ignored by the Turkish president. And um, if our country maintains course, and I would say, Push back, pushes back to it. The European Union, especially France, is um, going to go against it. And we have to understand why, because Turkey's economy is going from bad to worse. And it's also, you know, causing uh, detrimental effects to their own tourism. So their tourism has gone down. Obviously, Turkey's been put on watch lists, you know, so it's a it's a pretty hot mess. And we have the European Union that wants to keep them afloat because, you know, they're part of NATO. They're one of they're the second largest army of NATO, second to the United States. So it's a it's a pretty big deal. So the you would say the blurred horizon that we see of a plan uh, between Erdogan and the uh, Aegean Sea uh, is a little bit, you know, it's something that needs to be discussed. And this can be discussed in Japan. I mean, there's two ways this can go. 
Okay, when Erdogan meets with President Trump. So the one way is, is that we have this major issue with the S-400 missile systems from Russia. Right. Um, And, uh, you know, the F-35s. The only way that this can be solved is by um, getting Turkey to not accept S-400 missiles. So let's pretend that they do. There's got to be an overall plan, um, you know, um, for how it can be done. I mean, Turkey is actually suggesting to President Trump that they take the S-400 missiles but store them somewhere else outside of Turkey, which is most likely to be in the occupied area of Cyprus so they can strike a deal. So if that happens, that could be a huge issue and can't be approved. Like if President Trump's like, all right, yeah, you can take the S-400s, but you can't have them in your grounds. You got to hide them or store them since you bought them in occupied Cyprus. But in order to do that, we have to have solid deals for the Aegean Sea, Greece, energy, Cyprus, and Syria. Because remember, that gulf there uh, where the Aegean goes in and Cyprus and Syria is a really big deal. And Turkey and Russia are not seeing eye to eye because remember, Russia's only naval port outside of, you know, their geographical areas is in Syria. And it um, is right, you know, down south, uh, you know, just a what, like a hundred miles? No, I would say like 200 miles from Turkey. So it's like right next door. So it's a really, really big deal. So if this was to be approved, um, that they can store them, right? It would be very unfavorable for Greece, Cyprus, and Syria. And, you know, Turkey would no longer be dubbed like the black sheep of the region, and it wouldn't be a headache for NATO or the West, and it'll be upgraded in its role and um, most likely uh, propped up by such an agreement with the United States. That means uh, that tensions will be rising even higher within the sea um, because the U.S. will be showing tolerance to it. And in one way, it would be kind of a catalyst uh, for that kind of behavior to ensue uh, by the Turks. So this is, you know, this is pretty insane, right? Because if the U.S. actually strikes a deal with Erdogan saying, all right, you can keep it, uh, it's actually going to be very painful uh, for Greece, Cyprus, and Syria, and may indeed spark uh, an actual war with Russia getting involved in Cyprus and Greece, and we could have just like a really hot mess. Now, second version is, is that, you know, we come to an impasse with the S-400, and it's like done. We're not doing the F-35s. You know, we're finished. And that would be a serious breach because we're already on the rocks. Um, U.S.-Turkish relations are already on. They should have always been because they support the Muslim Brotherhood. They support, um, you know, terrorists. And it is known that they are the ones that are funneling the money through Turkey for terrorism activities. So, you know, regardless, I think that's the better option. Now, if we do come to an impasse for the S-400s and tell them, listen, if you take the S-400s, you're not getting F-35s, period. And we've already done that. We've grounded their pilots. We've said we're not, you know, sending it. That would be um, super tough and it will impact Turkey in all areas of their development. And it would um, be the key. It would start an avalanche of just uh, spheres of influences, alliances will be changing.
Because the minute the United States, which is a NATO member, severs and completely kills, I would say, um, these relations between Turkey and Turkey being part of NATO. At that point, we will see who allies with who. And now with Greece, Romania, Cyprus, with all the weapons delivery they've had from the United States under this, you know, dynamic support of the United States to reinforce their military on all fronts. Um, and what the negotiations we're having in Syria, specifically that in Idlib, uh, you know, it will be foreseeable that there won't be any dramatic developments with the Aegean, Cyprus, you know, Greece or Syria um, on behalf of Turkey, because they are very aggressive in the Aegean, very aggressive in the occupied territory, very aggressive on how they're allowing militants in that extended green zone of Turkey and Syria to act on behalf of, you know, these paid ISIS terrorist groups. So, you know, we can't really make any solid predictions, but my money would be on the fact of put your money where your mouth is. You're either a Western ally or you're not. You take the S-400s, we can't do business, period. That is better because we need to be able to define lines. And that definition of line with Turkey is going to be how we can force our so-called allies, you know, the same allies that participated in this coup against our nation, the same allies that were paid, mobilized, and activated by the previous administration to create this Russia hoax and keep our domestic policy in turmoil, those same allies will suddenly have to pick a side. Do you go with Turkey that stands with Iran, or do you stand with the United States that stands for free, open markets, no, you know, hostility, etc. What do you do? We know the S-400s target F-35s. We don't want Russia getting their hands on their tech. If they need to regulate the S-400s to recognize the F-35s as friendlies, they're going to have to work with the Russian manufacturer to provide them the information they know in order for those missiles to not detect F-35s as, you know, hostiles. So this is a very big deal. This is where we need to draw the line, not in the sand, but in concrete. This is where we stop. And so... One hand, we can have the United States say, all right, I'll give you a pass. You know, the whole Obama way, you get a pass, even though they're aggressive in the sea, they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing in Syria. They're still buying oil from Iran, right? They're still doing all this. If we give them a pass and they buy the S 400s, it's done. We are going to have an outbreak of war and it's going to rise from Turkey. That's one, two. President Trump says no, and then they're forced. And that would also show the European Union's hidden card of them expediting the application of making Turkey an EU member in order to join and create the EU army. Because like I said before, in NATO, the largest military of any member is the United States. Second to that is Turkey. So it is very important that we see what has been going on over the weekend and what is going to happen at this G20 summit, which by the way, at the G20 summit, Kremlin, the Kremlin actually made a statement, Peskov did, that kind of inferred that there's like a window of opportunity that President Trump and Putin will have like a sidebar and talk in Japan. But, you know, they already said that the White House hasn't confirmed anything, nothing set in stone, Um, you know. 
President Trump, though, a couple weeks ago and even in May said the same thing that him and Putin will have a sidebar, but there's nothing been confirmed in stone yet. So we'll see how that pans out. And, you know, Russia is a huge counterpart here because it is their interest in the sea because it is the only base that they have in Syria and access to the Mediterranean. So after this break, we'll break down Iran and some more happenings around. Radio is premier. Welcome to Red State Talk Radio. You're listening to Tori Says for the next hour. I'll be your host, Tori. We'll be discussing news, foreign and domestic, unfiltered news. Real news. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tory Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. All right, so I thought I'd talk about Iran right now and then tell you what's going on in the deep state because a lot has happened over the uh, past two weeks that we need to analyze. And if any of you have not heard um, my show that I did about a week and a half ago where I introduced you to this agency nobody talks about, the NRO, and its close ties to the Air Force, it'll come in, it'll be really handy. Uh, So I would highly suggest you go listen to that. Now, let's talk about Iran. So over the weekend, I got some really juicy, juicy information about what's being discussed in the highest ranks of European uh, Commission. Okay, not the parliament, which are tools, right? Because these people that are elected by each, you know, oh, I'm part of the European Parliament and I represent England. They have no say. They could talk all they want. But whatever they vote for, whatever they put forward really doesn't count because these unelected people that nobody knows actually make these decisions. So apparently in Kazakhstan, there was an urgent meeting put together. And this happened on Thursday um, and Friday. And the discussions ensued up until Saturday. So it was Saturday that I actually got some word from some sources I have in Astana. So apparently uh, Tehran has told the European Union that if things don't settle down in, uh, you know, in the Gulf of Oman, that they have 10 days to fix this or else. And... Um, That seems really odd. See, the reason I say this is because, you know, obviously when you have sources, and I'm pretty sure some of my sources are listening to me now, they gave me um, interesting information that was similar but different. So I'll tell you what I think is the correct one rather than fill the airwaves with rubbish. So in order to do that, I have to tell you what everybody else is saying. So as you know, all this stuff is happening in the Gulf. Tehran supposedly warns that they're going to exceed their limit on enriched uranium. And again, I um, recommend that you listen to my um, 
a radio show that I did a couple weeks ago where I explained to you the difference between the different types of uranium and what this Iran deal was all about. So they claimed that, uh, you know, if they don't get back to them by June 28th, that uh, they're going to increase their enriched uranium uh, and they're going to surpass the limits that have been placed upon them by this agreement. It's basically an ultimatum to the EU to show that they will stand firm on the Iran nuclear program, even though the U.S. has pulled out. Now, almost everyone across the globe, every stupid clown on these mainstream media networks that have fancy titles like chief political analyst and all they have is MFA degrees. Half of them haven't even traveled to these places, but anyway, or speak the language. (laughs) Anyway, uh, they're even saying that it's difficult. So their talking points are pretty much the same. Now, it should be mentioned that talks that were happening inferred that, you know, by the first fortnight in July, uh, you know, the Europeans had to come up with some plan to show that they're supporting the Iranian economy and supporting them since the U.S. has put extra sanctions and is causing tension. And right now, the only source of income, one would say, that Iran has is any black market sales people outside the government are handling, uh, you know, kind of like the cartels. I think it's easier for Americans to relate to that, right? Um, So picture the um, rogue agents there's like a rogue secondary government like a cartel that runs parallel to the you know supreme leader's government now they work for their own reasons the way they operate but they kind of wash each other's hands kind of like you know how you know president nieto got a hundred million dollars from from the cartels as a payoff right kind of like that So uh, basically all foreign ministers of the EU um, have set in inquiries to find out who did the bombings, who did this. And, you know, they've already set warnings saying if, you know, um, Iran is going to be held responsible for this, it'll be really hard to like rescue the deal. Now in Luxembourg today, Luxembourg, right? Um, there was a foreign affairs council and they met and they were really, really careful on, uh, taking responsibility for tankers and didn't want to align with what Washington is saying, but they're actually going out to Tehran actually Two people left on Sunday and are already there because uh, the um, uh, German foreign minister Moss said, you know, the U.S. intelligence isn't enough to convince us. Now, I'll tell you what's going on. Okay, let me break this down to you. So indeed, we have the supreme leader who was sitting there with Abe chit-chatting and Abe saying, look, man, Trump's different. You know, he wants everyone to be transparent. Let's get this down. We should do this. And, you know, you see the supreme leader say, man, they came into this country and set this up like, you know, 40 years ago. They've got this system going. They've got us by the cojones. And I don't know who to trust within my regime within Tehran, let let alone outsiders. Right now, the only guarantee I have is that I stay in power. My country remains semi-independent on the fact that we have this deal and it would be very difficult for them to violate it. Um, 
And now that the U.S. is pulling out, it's causing tensions with the European Union. And I need to see how far they're willing to go to stand up for me. Because if they don't stand up for me and that agreement as far as I need to, then I may work with the United States. Now, as these talks were ensuing, suddenly all these, you know, hits to ships were happening. And just so you know, so the first reports that I got from sources were magnetic mines and torpedoes. Turns out it was way above the waterline, was not magnetic. There were no magnetic mines attached to boats that they know of or that they could see. And um, it wasn't the explosion pattern, um, wasn't that of uh, an exploding mine, but of a projectile that was above water. So this is a really big deal. So this was shot out of something and it was flying to the ships. So this is what the J- Japanese crews have already come to. Like you could see a hole and you could determine if it was a mine or if it was like a, a bullet or a grenade shot or a, you know, um, you know, launcher, like a shoulder launcher. You can tell what was shot from the way it created the wound in the ship. So the wound in the ship says kind of torpedo, but it was not torpedo. So it was missile-like, missile-esque, but it was above water. So this is where we're at. So they're talking about this and suddenly this happens. So what we need to understand is Iran is no different than the United States, no different than Mexico, no different than any other country that has these sub governments working. Now in Mexico, it's the cartels in Tehran, in Iran, right? They have the regime that was placed by the CIA and operated as such and maneuvered by this new global order, whatever you want to call it, deep state, you know, people against free people, whatever you want to call them, these nefarious actors, but they're being controlled by them. Then you have the rebels that are in place by, you know, these regimes like the European Union and Peter Strzok's daddy that are supposed to keep the supreme leader in check. So they will sabotage anything he does to sabotage the relation they have with the EU and the US, right? Remember that. So we've got supreme leader, then they've got the hall monitors that they've appointed, you know, the EU and 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 the former CIA because now, you know, that's going away slowly to keep them in check. And then we've got the rebels, rebels that want to, you know, remove the Supreme leader. And even if the Supreme leader wants to go, you know, they won't believe them because they've got the hall monitors, right? So it's a hot mess. Nobody knows who to believe, but they would never blow ships up when there's talks of peace. So those rebels can be out. Now the IRGC that we declared, we declared them terrorists. Why? Because they are the hall monitors. Are you paying attention? They're the hall monitors to make sure that the regime of Iran is following the rules that have been set in place when they were put in place. So these hall monitors, these enforcers, right? Enforcers to keep them in check are the ones sabotaging efforts. And this is where you saw rebels, the good rebels blowing up Iranian ships at the ports in resistance to what's going on. Cause they're thinking if the IRGC is doing all this and they're staging this and you know, the, the Supreme leader is not really with this. 
we need to show the supreme leader that we're not putting up with this so it's a hot mess so bottom line is iran has called everyone to the carpet listen man europe if you're with me you better show that you stand by my economy you better show that you're you know on board with this deal you better show this it's not like they're going to go and produce uranium you know, come on, guys. They already have it. <laughs> I'm just saying, if I was Iran, I'd totally have like a hidden storage. I'm just saying, like all of us would, wouldn't we? We'd be like, well, we had his backup just in case, you know? So we need to just look at the real facts. Iran is saying, all right, look, I don't know who to trust, man. Let's see what you guys do. Step, step up to the carpet and show me what you got. All right, Europe, I'm telling you, and I'm making it known globally. I'm going to break our agreement if you don't show me what you got. You got my back, yes or no? If you don't, then I'm breaking the agreement. And the U.S. is just sitting there pretty waiting for that to pan out. Because the U.S. has already sent Abe. Abe has been clear. Listen, man, we've pulled out of this deal. We want to have talks. We need to fix this. This deal is stupid. We need to figure out how we're going to do this. Period. Just like we did in the River Niger with the yellow cake uranium, how now, you know, internationally people are present where the, you know, deposits are and how the labs are and everybody has their own people. So it'll be like one person from England, one person from America, one person from France. I'm just telling you, this is how it works. And this is how it works in research stations in Antarctica or the Arctic. I'm just using air quotes, research stations. Everyone's there. So everybody has fair eyes on it, you know? It's going to be really hard for everyone to flip at the same time to go to one side, right? Especially when they're coming from different countries and have different loyalties. So this is exactly what's going on uh, in Iran right now. They've come out publicly and said, listen, man, I don't like what's going on. You guys, my economy's already shot. The only person I've got is Turkey that's buying stuff from me. I'm totally screwed. Or, you know, we have no money. You either show me that you stand with me or I'm breaking this agreement. So that way you need to answer. You need to pick a side. And so Europe is saying now, you know, with that threat from Iran, oh, the United States is warmongering. Oh, we're doing this. And it's like, no, President Trump doesn't want war. He said that he wants to talk. President Trump didn't do this, right? He didn't because the IRGC, whatever they did to break talks with the Supreme Leader and Abe, right, did it. And the IRGC does what they're told, not by the Supreme Leader, but by those that sit somewhere in Astana, somewhere in Luxembourg and have all these conversations. So now we're going to see everybody's true colors. So aside from the fact that we've got this D-class on FISO where we're pulling pants down left and right and they still haven't complied, pretty much crickets from the, um, say it, from the allies, right? <laughs> from our Five Eyes partners, from the royals. Haven't heard from them in a while. But this is a hot topic for them. Why? Iran's a really big deal. Because if Iran sings and becomes transparent with the United States. Do you know how many more people will be taken down with that? Tons, thousands, global networks. And this is exactly what we want. We want to know who was in the World Trade Bank, who works with the IMF, who does all these trade deals and pays for these pipelines, who moves the money, who orchestrates this, who does these strategies and who works, okay? on these nefarious secret projects that we have going on within the United States that influence, uh, you know, foreign nations. This is what we're going to find out. 
planes with money. Huh? Eyes up in Europe. We're paying attention to see if Germany sends another airplane stacked with cash because he's put the deadline on. So now, you know, even though the supreme leader of Iran said, oh, you have up until like, I think it was like July 7th or 8th. Uh, you got till like the 28th of June. It's not happening. We're breaking the deal. And we're going to be like, here's how much uranium stocks we have. We broke the deal. Now what? Test us. And you don't want to play with nukes because they already have it. They don't need to produce it. They don't need to start enriching their uranium. They already have it. Every single country that says, oh yeah, we only have like a hundred. Trust us. They've got a storage room with like 3000 in the back. Iran would do the same. I would do the same. If I was Iran, I would keep it there just to have my back. So do we really want to play the nuke card right now? No, because you really don't know what they've been doing with all the money and the mercenaries and whatnot. You really don't want them shooting off missiles. It'll remind us kind of like, what was it? 10 years ago where, you know, everyone's minding their own business. And then suddenly Pakistan and India are flying missiles at each other. And they're like, wait, what happened? How'd that happen? When did they have that stuff? Why is this happening? We don't need that. And we don't need it with nukes because the worst thing for a country to feel is not knowing their place in, in the world. So Iran was seriously okay 40 years now to be the outsider, to be the threat, you know, and kind of defining its borders and it's finished. Unlike Turkey, which is like, you know, the runt of the litter, nobody wants to play with, nobody trusts you, you're just like the loser, you know, in that movie that everybody just doesn't like you and you're a really bad person that ends up going to jail for whatever, for murders and, and stuff. Iran, on the other hand, has a role to play. Right now, Iran has no identity to them because Iran's not getting it. Who's doing this? The U.S. is telling me my IRGC guard was there removing mines. Who do I trust? I can't trust them. So my IRGC are against me. Oh my gosh. Were they placed by the Europeans or were they placed by the Americans? Is Trump playing mind games now? Is he working with the, with the same CIA people? Abe's sitting there telling him, nope, he's not. But he doesn't know which one to believe because he knows exactly what the CIA did when Peter Strzok's daddy came in in 1978. He knows because that was his family line. He knows the story. So right now, Iran is sitting so confused saying, wait a minute. So I have this deal with the EU and the rest of this global order people. They're okay. They've put this deal forward. They've all signed it. The United States suddenly pulls out. And then we see the same mind games of the tanker wars happening, which is an old CIA card. Who's doing it? Is it the EU slash global order or is it Trump? I don't know who to believe. Abe is telling him, listen, man, it's not Trump. And the EU is like, oh my gosh, Trump just wants war. He wants to just blow you up. And it's like, no, he doesn't. I mean, it would be great if King Jong-un <laughs> called up Iran and said, yo, what's up? So Trump is not one of them. Trump is actually legit. That would be great if Kim Jong-un actually did it. And I think, don't hold me to this, that really nice letter that Kim Jong-un sent was probably that saying, I got this, me and Iran be going back, you know, decades because we've been isolated. Like we peed in a, in a well together. I'm sending a letter to him too. So it'll get to him at some point. I'll send uh, notice to him of what's really going on. This is the reality of what's going on in Tehran right now. This is the reality that you have to understand that this country that has been painted as an enemy that has been caught, caught, um, 
they've been captive for 40 years under certain regimes are now don't know who to trust. They don't know. They're like, okay, who do we trust? I mean, we've got terrorists within our borders because we're funding them. You know, those guys can flip on a dime. My IRGC is going and pulling off mines and I'm sitting there with Abby and we're like having a cigarette and drinking some tea and suddenly explosions happen and both of us look at each other like, what is going on? You know, that is reality. And I'm pretty sure Abe told President Trump too. And the responses that we have been given, hey, oh, they did it, you know, is enough for, um, you know, Tehran's leadership to say, well, what's going on? If my IRGC are doing it and I didn't order it, who's ordering them? And who do I trust in my IRGC? What if they take me out? What if they kill me? What if they kill my family? What are they doing? Who do I trust? Imagine being them right now. You're already dirty. You already sold out your country. You're okay being the, the demonized nation in the world, but now you're stuck. You don't know who will keep you safe. Is it the people that signed the agreement and put up or shut up? That's basically what they're saying. We're going to make you have to forfeit the agreement and figure out what's going on. And if you take us to that point, we're going to be popping nukes like crazy. And you're closer than the United States. So we're going to take you out first. And they know that. So it's going to be a super hot mess. This is where we're at with Iran. And the good thing is, is that President Trump has already had people communicate. And this video showing the IRGC removing, uh, you know, a magnetic mine on a ship, if so it be, indicates that the IRGC uh, is operating independently, which is causing a threat to the Supreme Leader. So he is thinking it could be the U.S., it could be Trump playing these stupid tanker war games, but then it's like, could it be the people that actually control me that are part of this agreement that have actually activated the IRGC to do it, to entrap me and to paint president Trump as a warmonger? Because that's what they're saying. Europe is coming out saying that they're hoping that president Trump stops. They're trying to hold president Trump back because he's worried that he's going to pull the string on Iran. That's basically what they're saying. They're saying that these attacks within the Gulf of Oman, you know, are under great scrutiny um, of President Trump. So now Europe is like, well, you know, we've seen these tanker wars before and kind of sounds like this is aggressive politics against Tehran. And this was even put in the New York Times that they are exercising outmost. What was it? Restrainment of Trump. You know, they're also saying that, you know, there are exaggerations and misinformation uh, between uh, the, our secret, you know, our intelligence community uh, on, you know, on what happened with the war in Iraq. I mean, there is it, it is a hotbed like this is a hot topic, you guys, of what is really going on, because this is now information warfare. Aside from the fact that Iran doesn't know who to trust, we've got 
you know, our own media saying that, you know, the U.S. is um, getting disinformation from intelligence services, um, you know, that uh, there's war, in, you know, on the eve of the war of Iraq. You know, they needed tangible evidence from the USA, you know, on weapons of mass destruction when stuff like this happened before and nobody got it. So are the, you know, is the United States playing this again? And the Europeans are not being very friendly to the Iranians and any other Middle Eastern politicians, but they're really concerned about how the U.S. is pushing Iran and saying that, you know, we're putting the pressure on them. It's super hard line. And maybe we're carefully planning attacks to send a message. And Germany, you know, is sending their own intelligence to execute an investigation. This is BS because Germany is just going to cover their tracks because, you know, they own the IRGC, the ones that are flipping on the actual Supreme Leader and his dudes. So except for Britain, the Europeans are reluctant to 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 accept that, um, you know, we in Washington are saying that this is a pretext of war, that they're doing it. So um, because we pulled out of the agreement, uh, you know, and then we impose like super sanctions, you know, the European Union is very unhappy with us. And so now they're saying that we set up those attacks. We did the tanker wars just like we did with Iraq before we went in there and destroyed them. Remember, I talked about this. This is like deja vu. This is how the old regimes used to take out governments. Where were the weapons of mass destruction? Nowhere. So they're all saying, whoop, we already know there were no weapons of mass destruction and used these excuses to get in there. So ergo, you lied when they were in on it too. Right. They were working with the previous U.S. regimes and they are regimes because they were not a democratic republic. Those were not real presidents from Bush 41 all the way up to Obama. We have had dictators. I don't care what anybody says. That's the fact. We've had dictators that dictate that sell us off, you know, that are very anti-American. So pay attention because now Europe is calling our history to the carpet saying, well, you guys did this. So you must be doing this Iran stuff. So we don't accept the fact that Iran attacked those. And we're like, well, IRDC did it. And that's part of Iran. And then you've got the leader going, wait a minute. Why is my RDC attacking these when I didn't say so? Who owns my IRDC? Is it the Americans doing this again? Or is it the Europeans? That's where we're at. That's what a hot mess this is. Hopefully, Kim Jong-un, Abe, and President Xi that still have relations will have these discussions with Tehran and it will be sorted because the fact that you're seeing Germany and France send off their intelligence to conduct an investigation is BS mitigation. Clock is ticking. Next week, if they don't have some form of support shown on a global front, Iran's going to make some really hard decisions. And we won't be able to turn back the hands of time on that one. So I'll see you all in just a few right after this break. Hello, my fellow patriots. My name is Michael Flynn Jr. And I am the proud son of General Flynn. Your support of the last two years has been incredible and will never be forgotten. If you'd like to continue supporting General Flynn, you can donate to our Legal Defense Fund. Any donation is welcome. To donate, go to www.mikeflynndefensefund.org. 
Thank you, and God bless America. How did you become addicted? A friend? Were you at a party and someone said, Hey, try this. Then you got the cold sweats and started shaking. And the more you did it, the more it didn't work. So you switched to the needle. Now you're a train wreck. Drinking, drugging, broke. Your family hates you. And you hate you. Get out of your hell on earth now. Call the Detox and Treatment Helpline today for immediate help. In many cases, your insurance may cover the costs. We can't guarantee it, but we can guarantee we have what you need to change your life for the better. Pick up your cell phone and call right now. 855-700-2978-855-700-2978-855-700-2978. That's 855-700-2978. Guaranteed life insurance with no medical exam. Sounds great, right? Even better, your rates will never increase and benefits will never decrease. If you're a U.S. citizen between 50 and 80, you can get life insurance guaranteed. It's not guaranteed in every state and you may not qualify for every policy, but when you call, you'll speak with a licensed insurance company. They'll give you all the details about guaranteed life insurance. So call now, 1-800-707-1219. 1-800-707-1219. Hey, this is Leonora Cravota from Red State Talk Radio for MyPillow. I used to have trouble sleeping. MyPillow changed all that. I now fall asleep within moments of my head touching my pillow. That's how comfortable MyPillow is with its patented interlocking fill. MyPillow stays cool and does not go flat. Plus, it's machine washable and dryable. MyPillow has a 10-year warranty and a 60-day comfort guarantee. MyPillow is also the official pillow of the National Sleep Foundation, and it's made right here in the USA. MyPillow is now offering Red State Talk Radio listeners a four-pack special with two premium standard or queen pillows and two go-anywhere pillows. That's four pillows for the price of one. To take advantage of this special offer, call 1-800-961-9194 and ask for promo code REDSTATE. That's one 800 961 Promo code Red State. Put sleepless nights behind you with my pillow, the most comfortable pillow you will ever own. For the best night's sleep in the whole wide world, visit mypillow.com. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tory Says Show. This is the last half hour. So now um, that all of you have gotten kind of a grasp on what's going on, and I and I um, saw over the break before I um, began my Iran segment that the president tweeted exactly that. So it's, it's as if he's in my head and knows what I'm going to talk about. So um, this Iran deal is going to be a hot topic, especially now entering into the G20 summit, too. So it'll be interesting to see how Europe responds to this ultimative and being called to the carpet and the time being shortened because he, at first, like I said, Tehran gave him a limit to like, you know, July 8th or whatever around that time. And now they're like, nope, June 28th, you're done. You either put up or shut up and then, you know, the Supreme Leader is going to make up his mind and see how he's going to go. But he made that announcement that he is going to go over the amount. We already know he already has it. Come on, all of us do. We would do the same thing. Now, Let's talk more deep, deep state stuff, okay? So we talked about Space Force and um, we talked about the NRO. 
And I explained to you how Eisenhower had created that agency uh, with people that are not employees. You are not an employee if you work for the NRO. It is almost 100% contractors, the most covert, clandestine people on the planet. They could be school teachers. They could be zookeepers. They could be anything but they work for that area because there is a lot going on that people don't know. There are projects, there are operations, you know, I mean, if you want to get into sci-fi stuff, you know, how many people think, you know, that we already have things like time travel, right? I'm just saying there are so many operations. You have no idea. You remember how they were talking about MK ultra and how that was like, Oh, a conspiracy yet. It was real, right? Cause these are all secret, you know, projects that go on They're Pentagon, special access programs. And I have written about those when they tried to uh, manage the discourse and guide conversations on Twitter, uh, which was, you know, project information wars back in 2011. Like there were so many of these. Now here's where it gets curious. So I, I, I talked about, I think it was like a little over a week ago where we were listening on air and I was analyzing what the generals were saying in regards to the creation of, um, space force. And what I've explained to you is that, you know, the air force is part of the NRO and space force is taking over all these special access programs and like the cyber stuff. So they're going to be the Marines to the Navy, you know? So space force is like the Marines to the Navy, which is the air force. But here's the thing. A lot of people that are in these programs in, you know, interesting warfare centers, in special operations programs are all under inspector general investigations. Now, this is a really big deal because, you know, um, a two-star general was fired and he was let go supposedly to an indecent relationship or something like that, which is really weird because, you know, obviously if there's fraternization or unprofessional relationships, right, um, it wouldn't be so such a big deal, especially when you have so many years in. So it's obviously something else. And that was used as the guide. So we have to see where did this major general two star, right? Gersten work Nevada, specifically Nellis air force base. Those of you that know the air force know exactly what goes on and how compartmentalized programs are at Nellis air force base in Nevada. And he was the commander of the air warfare center. Well, warfare center in general, but we know it's usually surface to air, air to air. But what, what you have to pay attention to is he's not the only one within, you know, days of getting fired. There was another firing, which is, um, a major general Dunlop. Now she's a woman. She is so bitchy. She has, she's known to have a fiery temper. She's a fighter pilot. She's, she's, she's got to toss her and going through everything, but nevertheless, she's under inspector general investigations. So I guarantee you that she's going to be retired. She's going to have the option to involuntary retire, hopefully to keep her benefits, you know, and that, you know, she gets a 302 exit. 
we'll see how that happens. But she was running the special access programs. Okay. And this is a big deal because why are all these people in specific programs being fired? So she is supposedly being fired for being hot headed guys. You don't get to where you are as a woman. If you're not hot headed, obviously, you know, maybe going through menopause, you're a little bit crazier. You know, you're a little bit off your rocker, you know, she gets fired and then he gets fired, which is super weird. Kind of almost within like it, it was within days, but, um, what people need to understand is, is that, you know, we have the deputy secretary of defense is chiming in. They're all discussing it. And, you know, special access programs, just so you guys know, are like the closest guarded magic projects that people that work as contractors for the NRO have access to. This is just how secret, secret, secret they are. Um, and... She may not even have full privy to the NRO, you know, database of projects, but she was commanding that, you know, she's a fighter pilot, you know, she's, she's, she was, she's pretty bad, you know, she's pretty badass, <laughs> but, um, apparently they're letting her go because she has a hot temper, which sounds super weird. Um, no matter how abusive you are, you know, you get, you get that stuff in check real quick when they tell you, regardless, if you're creating a toxic environment in your command, you know, they move you, they don't fire you or volunteer you to, you know, tell you, they volunteer you to retire. So we need to look beyond that because those of you that have worked within the government or in the military, you know that when you get up to that rank and you get your little two stars, you know, you could pretty much get away with murder for say per se. Okay. Um, but attitude or having an inappropriate relationship, not one of the things that make the list of getting you removed. So we have to consider what commands they were at, what they were overseeing because there's more. And the thing is, Nothing has become public, so I can't talk about it because then I might reveal my sources. But there's another two people, uh, one of them through the Army and the other one through Naval Intelligence, that were resigned for stupid things like that. One of them was for um, taking excessive leave and being, you know, aloof in their office or some BS like that. I mean, it's incredible. I can't put out the names like I can with these because they haven't been reported. So hopefully they will be reported. But all of these people work in uh, projects that work together. So there's something going on with warfare and special access projects that there's some funny business going, you know, within the SAPCO's, you know, area the super high intelligence area to get the Pentagon and their panties in a twist to get rid of them. So it's really weird that all of this is happening in a short period of time, considering the level of clearance that these people have. Okay. Because to have that level of clearance and experience and get removed like that, 
is going to cost us money in the long run. I mean, if if you think she shouldn't be in special access programs, then you stick her into training fighter pilots, right? You stick her into some admin post. You know, you, you move them. You put them somewhere else where they could just sit there out of respect for all they've done. So what they did to be under multiple inspector general investigations must be massive. Okay. And it goes to the level of highest, highest clearance. So high that the president has to ask for it specifically to see stuff. You know, it's not, it's like the highest clearance ever. Magical clearance. So that should tell you that there are many, many changes happening within our government uh, from the military end too, which indicates that something huge has been uncovered that is not being tolerated anymore. So on that note, I want everyone to know that our nation was built on faith, right? And faith is what created this nation, the independence for faith. It was, it's a Christian Judaic basis of faith. And, um, this is the key to our existence. Basically we have, it's, isn't it better to live a life believing there is a God and then die and realize there isn't rather than live a life thinking there is no higher power and die to realize that there was correct. I mean, we have to think about it. So what we need to, in this time of turmoil, because this week is going to move pretty fast. You know, we've got the rally coming up in Orlando. We've got all of this stuff with deadlines, with foreign policies. We've got Turkey, we've got Iran, we've got China, we've got the G20 summit. The, the, the end of June is just going to move really, really fast. I want everyone to just understand that faith is really important right now because un- just like many of you, it's kind of like, this is never ending. How do we breathe when we feel suffocated? How do we go forward? If everything we're doing is painted as wrong, when we know it's right, you just have to have faith. You have to have faith that good will overcome or at least put up a good enough fight for generations a hundred years from now to look back and be inspired and actually revolt if it's unsuccessful. This is the only thing you can do. I mean, that's the bottom line. When you enter into a war, the only thing you can do is put your best foot forward, right? And have faith because if you put your foot forward, with no faith in the grounding of that foot that you put forward, you'll fail. So all we have to do is focus on what we know, how we want things done, home into that target and, and just hope for the best. I'm, I'm just saying it plain out because over the weekend, because you know, I took a hiatus from my DMS, right? So I take a week hiatus. So tomorrow that's off. And then I go into my hiatus from Facebook DMS and then Instagram DMS where I just, you know, don't respond to any of them. And then I get back to them a week later in a way of turning off. Right? So all of us need to turn off, but emails, I see all of them. And so many of them over the weekend were so sad. 
what's going on with Iran? This is crazy. We're saying they did it. Is this like psy warfare? What is this? I feel sad. They're trying to trap President Trump. Is he safe? Are they doing this? The Democrats are pushing this. Guys, yes, they are. Evil runs. You know, when you flip a switch, rats will run, right? If the light comes on, they just scurry. Same thing with cockroaches. I don't know if any of you have been to the subway in New York. But if you flash a light, all the rats will run, cockroaches, everything. This is what they're doing. They're running for higher ground. They're trying to find something to grasp themselves with because there is so much being done that you can't see. They are in full panic mode. The, the thing that we need to do is maintain course, maintain understanding, and stand firm by what we voted for in 2016. Because when it comes to 2020, like I've said before, Yang is going to be brought up. And I said it, if you haven't seen his interview with Rubin Report, you need to see it. It was actually reasonable. And those that support Trump just because they don't like the Democrats but not like Trump at all, they may actually go for Yang. Especially those that are ignorant to understand uh, the repercussions of pushing a generation, you know, pushing uh, a nation into a generation that shouldn't exist for at least four more to come, you know, and propelling us into that technological future. So the important thing is to stay on course. Important thing is to keep spreading the message, not those, you know, little Trump trains, but actually responding and having conversations. And, you know, if you see a comment that's retarded, like today I saw Kapoor, I think, say, oh my gosh, the polls are right. And I'm like, well, what about this one? Like rubbish, polls, schmoles. These are the things we need to keep reinforcing because it, you know, out of a hundred tweets that, that reinforce fact, it'll fall on the eyes of someone that's confused or doesn't see straight or, you know, is kind of on the propaganda train, but not really. And you can change that for just one person. It's always one person at a time. One person you have a conversation with, you know, one person that you're like, why don't you like Trump? I like him that he's a little bit rough around the edges, man, because you know what? I know what I'm getting with him. Yeah, with Obama, he was all smiles and pauses and, you know, high notes and pointing his finger and he was all rubbish. He was doing anything in his power to destroy what our nation stood for in the first place. And all he did was give you smiles. Do you want someone that's Colgate and stabs you in the back? Or do you want someone that sometimes has an ugly face, sometimes doesn't say the right things, but is doing the right thing and has the the, you know, the right motives at heart. That's what we need to focus on. So at the moment, our country is pretty much divided into two thirds for president Trump and a third, not for president Trump. That's the reality. Okay. That is the reality. And this, we're talking about legally eligible people to vote, right? Because we can't count the illegal immigrants. That is something that the Trump administration really needs to mitigate super quick. Like super duper quick, like maybe issue a mandate now that says, if you want to vote, you need to get voter ID. It's a special ID that says you have the right to vote. That's it. Separate. You need to get a separate voter ID, period. And that is the only way you vote. And it'll be scanned just like a driver's license is. And you have from now until 2020 to go and get it for free. Let's give it to people for free where it'll have their fingerprint, their face, their name, their address. And if they don't have an address, no address, just your name. It'll be like a passport, but just to vote, just to vote. Let's just have a voting ID. 
Let's do that. You want to vote? You need to go get it. You're saying it costs money? No money whatsoever. You get Social Security? We'll figure it out. We'll determine your identity and issue it. And if someone else has stolen your identity, like your Social Security, your name, whatever, and they go to another state, you're already on the database, so they're caught too. So this is how we fix it. Let's create just an ID for voting. It doesn't even have to have your address. Fingerprint, face, name. That's it. Verified information. Give me your social security card, your driver's license or passport, whatever. I'll figure it out. You give me whatever you have for identity. You're poor and don't have identity documents. You obviously get social security administration stuff. Okay, give me that. We'll do our homework. It's totally free. You want to vote? You get this. It's free. Take it. You don't take it. You don't vote. Period. No voter ID. You don't get in. That's how we need to do it. That is how we beat the Democrats. We put forward for a voter ID that is completely free and that'll cost us money. Totally fine with that. I am totally fine with that. Absolutely fine with that. We'll have, you know, um, you know, the DMV, every single DMV will have one system where they produce this. They take all the documents and you get it in the mail. Or if you don't have an address and you're on a reservation and you don't have a street address, fine. Then go pick it up at your local DMV when it arrives. That's how we need to do it. Exactly how we need to do it. Go to the post office and apply. Provide your documentation, whatever you have. We'll have people researching on it. We'll have people that provide passports and other identifying documents. We'll provide people that have no ID because they're so poor, right? Isn't that what the Democrats say? That, you know, oh, black people are so dumb and poor. They don't have like an identification at all. Well, if they get, you know, SSI or if they get food stamps, they got a food stamp card. So just give me what you got. And then I'll put you in the pile of no photo ID, just has this. Here's their photo. Here's their fingerprint. Cross-check it. by. That's how you do it. It's going to cost. I'm okay with that. Why? Because it makes sure that there is integrity to my election systems, right? And let's do a ballot. I mean, we know every person. Boom. Scan your ID to enter the building. Then scan your ID to get the ballot. That is how we make sure that we get the people we elect voted in. No more rubbish. Oh, you need your driver's license or nope. You don't even need an address. We need to prove you are you. Biometrics, face, that's it. You're done. And that's it. It's free. Come on in. What are the Democrats going to say? Well, you know, criminals don't want to come in and get a voter ID because they might have warrants. And if you do the biometrics, they get arrested. Then they shouldn't be voting, right? just saying. So that's the way it has to be. No exceptions. Because if we do it now in 2019 and say you've got a whole year to get this done and it's totally free, there is no excuse you don't have it. It means you don't really care about voting. That's the bottom line. And it won't take long for us to pan it out and say from November 1st of 2019 up until November 1st, 2020, you can get an ID. You don't get your ID between that time. You don't vote as a citizen. You are responsible to vote. You have the responsibility to vote mail-in ballots. I'm sorry, unless you're registered to vote, you know, but we have to figure something out on that. Let's just deal with the human capital first, right? We'll figure out the absentee ballots, those late ballots, whatever for now, let's fix our voting. Cause that is where 
the Democrats want to target us. That is why they're moving all these bodies. That is why they want the borders open. That is why they want to make them legitimate. That is why they're giving them driver's licenses, because I've told you again and again and again, voter rolls are printed off the DMV. So if you've got an address and you've got a driver's license, you're on that location's voting roll and you can walk in and vote. Doesn't mean you're allowed to, but you're on the list. So you're going to get in to that booth to push your button. That is why they're giving him driver's license. You really think they care about your safety? Come on. Let's be serious. All these years, they didn't care about your safety. They knew how many illegal migrants were in the country for 20 years. Never once said, hey, maybe we should give them temporary driver's licenses or illegal immigrant driver's licenses. No, they didn't because they didn't care about votes. Now, though, they do because now they can get into the electoral rolls. We have insane states like Oregon pushing for, you know, the majority vote takes your vote. So if you're in Oregon, nobody cares what you vote for. Nobody cares. Oh, you want to vote for Trump? Well, you want to vote for, let's say, Joe Biden. Let's put it Democrat because the Democrats aren't winning. Say Joe Biden is the candidate, which he's not, and you vote for him, but the popular vote for the country is Trump, then Oregon's electoral votes are all going to Trump, regardless, if that's the popular vote. So that means that the voices aren't going to be heard of the people of Oregon. That's how crazy it is. For us, it's a benefit, whatever. I'm all for it because we know President Trump is going to win. People in Oregon can't stand Oregon anymore. People in Portland can't stand Portland being that weird because it's not weird. It's now retarded. I mean, have you seen their uh, protests? I mean, it was just insane. Oh, and did all of you catch Millie Weaver trolling the LGBTQ? <laughs> um, she went in there with her snatch microphone and a wig, not looking like herself kind of thing. You guys should watch it. I think she tweeted out. I watched it like a few times and laughed because she was like, yeah, impeach Trump. And they were like, yeah. And she was like, you know, yay, President Mike Pence. And, you know, they're like, yeah. And then they kind of slow down. They're like, no, we don't want Mike Pence. She's like, well, if we impeach Trump, then Mike Pence is president. And they're like, well, you know, that's not good. And she's like, well, then you think maybe we shouldn't impeach Trump because then you get Mike Pence. And nobody likes Mike Pence. Not even <laughs> I like Mike Pence. So it's kind of like, mm, yeah, maybe we should just vote. She says, yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe we should just vote. Maybe we shouldn't impeach him because then we get Mike Pence. It's like. When they realize what they're saying, you know, they kind of stop and they're just like, why am I saying this? Because I don't understand what the consequences are. I'm just repeating something because everybody else is repeating it. This is the parrot mentality. This is the dumb mentality. This is the brainwash mentality. This is the mentality of people that have lost their ability to be subjective and objective in every facet of their life because this is the way the public school system has raised these children. And it is your job as a parent, grandparent, aunt, or uncle to make those discernments. I mean, they are putting forward sexual education of, you know, different sexes. They're also putting forward how prostitution is a job. Sex work is a job. So they're conditioning our children to learn anal sex, to accept, you know, sexual work as a job, as an option. So, you know, these are things that they shouldn't be involved. They're supposed to be teaching our kids math, science, and reading, not sexual education, not religion. That's our job as parents. So when did we lose that right? That is what we need to look and fix. And I know that President Trump is actively working on that. Now, on that note, 
I want to wish you guys all a great evening. Tomorrow, it's going to start real hard. I'm hearing that some things are coming down the pipeline on the FISA D class. Uh, we might be having some weird information coming out today or early tomorrow prior to the Orlando rally that's going to be popping. So from all of us here at Red State, I wish you a great evening and I'll see you all tomorrow. Same time, same place, 12 to 2 on Red State Talk Radio. God bless. Have a great evening. <laughs>